Welcome to the Antler Up Podcast, brought to you by Spartan Forge. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-owned coffee company serving premium coffee to people who love America. Fall is upon us, and there's no better way to get fueled up before hunt than with some Black Rifle Coffee. Coffee legitimately tastes better after a day in the woods or after a successful hunt. Fuel your next adventure and purchase at www.blackriflecoffee.com and use code ANTLER at checkout to save 20% off your purchase and or with your first coffee club subscription, Black Rifle Coffee. Also, just want to say a big thank you to our partners over at America's Best Bowstrings, hand-built in the USA since 2006. Amazing customer service, awesome quality and performance. Their Platinum Series strings are what we all run on our bows. We absolutely love them. Go and create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. Before we get into this episode, let's thank our partners over at Shea Butler Knives. And Shea makes custom everyday carry knives with the Rhino and Pursuit. His Ranger and Whitetail and Featherlight knives are amazing for anything, but especially out in the field. Shea's creativity, high quality materials, functional but unique designs, coupled with his precise leather work, make products that will last a lifetime. Check them out over at SheaButlerKnives.com. Our friends over at Half Rack just released some awesome gear and they were great enough to give our listeners 10% off their order. All you have to do is click on the link in the podcast bio or the link on our link tree on Instagram and that will give you your percentage off at checkout. So get some of the highest quality hunting and outdoor accessories that will help you prosper in the field. Half Rack is aiming to be mindful of the past, conservation conscious and evolve into the future. Thanks to our partners over at Tether. Tether makes premium saddle gear by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. They just dropped some new gear like the MVP, which can turn your saddle into a two panel or just a more rigid back support and also some new suspenders. So if your saddle tends to sag, grab a pair and both items are retrofitted. So it doesn't matter what saddle or brand you have, they're going to work. Check them out at tethernation.com. Forged in combat and tailored for hunters, Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly innovative and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can now take Spartan Forge with you wherever you go by downloading the mobile app. Enjoy deer prediction analysis, weather forecasts, historical data, detailed journaling, as well as crisp maps. It's time for you to make the most of your season and let Spartan Forge do that for you. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20%. Check it out over at SpartanForge.ai. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We are on episode 96, and on today's episode, Dimitri and I were joined by Harry Marr. Harry resides in the southeastern part of the Pennsylvania, where he spent most of his preseason learning some new areas to hunt. In this episode, Harry shares with us what he has learned during the season and shares a story on his mountain buck from this past season. 
We also get into talking about the rut as well. So get out there this week if you can and send it. So sit back, enjoy this fun episode, Antler Up. We're live. We're back for another episode of the Antler Podcast. We have Harry Marr. Harry, thank you so much for, for coming on. Thanks for contacting me. Congratulations on a buck. And this uh, this episode, we'll talk about that and kind of how that led into that. But dude, from PA, right? Yep. So tell us a little bit about bit about your background. And I'm from Southeast PA. Um, I live in Lancaster County. Um, I go to Elizabethtown College. Um, I'm in my last semester. So that's pretty sweet with it being fall because I kind of feel like I have some leeway with my professors. I know they're well, (laughs) so, um, you know, I tell them when I want to go hunting. Um, so that always helps a lot. Um, I got into hunting, I mean, all my life. I remember my dad taking me out when he would go archery hunting and I would actually, sometimes I would sit at the bottom of his tree stand and he would be above me and he would be hunting. And then sometimes, you know, we would put two hang-ons kind of like close together and, you know, I wouldn't be hunting anything. I was six years old in a tree with him just because I wanted to be out with him. And then eventually once I got old enough, I started hunting myself. Um, but yeah, hunting's a big part of my family and it's always been, uh, something that I loved. I mean, I remember I was probably six or seven and my dad brought home this, you know, pretty nice eight point. And I remember I was so excited about that (laughs) and I couldn't wait to do it myself. So that's how I got into it. Like most of everybody's story that you, for the most part, you know, especially Dimitri and I growing up, that's exactly how, how it was for us. And couldn't wait to be 12 years old and get that uh, hunter safety course under our belts. And, you know, you just felt like you're ready for, (laughs) for anything after that. Yeah. You know, that's cool, man. So we go and finishing up school, then it's time for the real world. And, uh, what, what are you majoring in or what are you looking forward to doing after school? So, um, um, so this is like, I was supposed to have a fifth year, but it's like shortened. Um, I'm a, uh, communications PR major and I'm actually, um, in marketing. I have a lot more marketing experience than I do PR. So I'm working at a packaging company right now. And, you know, as soon as I graduate, just working full time. Although I will say now that my buck tag's filled, I'm kind of full time, just getting through class, like working a lot, doing a lot of school. Um, so it's, it's busy, it's busy for sure, but I like what I'm doing and it's what I went to school for. And, um, I wrestled, my whole entire college career basically until COVID hit. And then, um, this last semester, you know, wrestling is a weird sport where it falls between fall and spring. So I would have to have a spring semester to wrestle. And I just really did not want to take a class, (laughs) um, to wrestle. And plus last year with, you know, the greatest thing about COVID without having wrestling was I got to hunt a whole lot and I really, really miss that. And, you know, now I'm able to finally just, you know, hunt and kind of do what I want. You know, I don't got to worry about wrestling matches, winning matches, making weight or any of that stuff. So, um, it's, you know, not saying that COVID's good, 
but you know, it definitely made me like figure out what I really want and, you know, career based goals, hunting based goals, you know, all things I enjoy. Yeah. So you had time away from, you know, from the mat and doing all that type of stuff and more time for the woods, you know, what kind of scouting and, you know, trips did you make or, you know, what even led to this, this buck opportunity before you had the, you know, the chance to get at them. So, uh, it's interesting. So, um, we have in Bradford County, uh, it's WMU three C. Um, my family has a, a cabin up there and we have, and this has been in our family for generations. I think it's about 180 something acres, private property. Um, and I've been hunting that all my life. However, this year, I got permission at a couple of properties in Chester County. Um, and Chester County is one of those special units, 5C. So I was able to shoot a doe like September 20th. <laughs> and, um, you know, that was cool. I got a new bow this year. I got like the Matthews V3. So I was able to, you know, test that out. And, you know, it did what it needed to do. But I was hunting so much in Chester County, which is right next to Lancaster County, where I actually really wasn't scouting too much at my cabin. However, um, I do have trail cams up there. I would check them monthly. I knew there was bucks coming out in all the spots up there, but it was, I kind of had more of this mindset where I wasn't going to touch the mountains until the rut because I just didn't want to risk any, you know, pressure, um, going in there and getting winded by mature bucks, um, anything like that. So I hung with my dad, I hung with my little brother and we stayed out, out of the woods until Halloween, um, up there at least. Now in Chester County, I had my eye on a lot of bucks. Um, I was hunting probably every Saturday and every evening I could swing sometimes even morning before class. Um, so I was hunting a whole lot this year, but not necessarily where I killed my buck. So it was a lot of, um, it was a lot of fun, uh, hunting in Chester County. I was hunting properties that I never hunted before. So I was able to really dial in, um, you know, different tree stands and, you know, scout with trail cameras, find out where the deer were coming out, maybe move a stand, um, try different things and, it definitely broadened my horizons a little bit right. as a hunter. Yeah. What were some of those things that kind of clicked for you or like you scratch your head and you're like, okay, that was definitely stupid of me or maybe, yeah, okay, I, this seems to work and that worked there as well. You know, do you, could you think of anything like that? Yeah. I mean, the one, the one thing I thought about was just, uh, dealing with weather a lot, Okay, you know, like for instance, um, it was warm. October was super warm. And with the way my schedule was, you know, if I could hunt, if I had the ability to hunt a Thursday evening, it was in my mind, I was going to hunt that Thursday evening. Well then sometimes like Thursday evening would come around and it would be 65, 70 degrees out at night. Like that was the lowest it was going to get. And part of me regrets even going out at all because I felt that, you know, the deer were either coming out way too late or they weren't moving at all. And I think 
in some occasions, some mature bucks were on me. And I almost feel like if I would have left it alone and not have approached their bedding areas, it would have been better in the long run. Whereas, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a tricky parallel because like my grandfather has always told me like, you know, well, you're not going to get them sitting in the cabin. So, <laughs> you know, yep. so it, it's, it's one of those things. So I, I would always think in my head, like, you know, I got to be out there, but I also knew it wasn't the best conditions that I was always hunting. And that was something that I wish I would have done different. Another thing too was, um, really not like, you know, like some of the first spots I would get to, I would end up being like, this is a good spot, but I almost wish I would have went deeper into some of the properties that I was hunting. Right. And, um, sometimes it's hard to, you know, after you've been hunting a spot and you do have close opportunities at that spot, it's hard to move because you think, you know, eventually this is going to happen. Right. Now, do you say to yourself in those situations, just because I've done it and I, there's times where I still do where I'm like, ah, this is good. This is good enough. And I've talked about this on the podcast not too long ago where my goal was to not say that, you know what I mean? Like you get into a spot, maybe you have history with, or like, kind of like you said, you're, you're in there, you think that these deer are going to move. You're like, okay, this, I think this is good enough. And I only have about uh, an hour and a half to climb up a tree and, and get settled. And I'm sweating bullets already. I, I, like you said, you want to get in deeper you sh- maybe could have or should have, but you're like, this tree's good enough. I'm going to just get here. Have you, did you have any of those moments? Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I had a lot of those moments. Um, you know, any, even, even to the point of trail camp placement, you know, like even if I wasn't moving a stand, sometimes I wish I just would have moved the trail cam like 50 yards, the other direction, just, just to see you know, what could have been coming out over there. And that was something I, I failed to do, Mm -hmm. but you know, from what I was seeing and where I didn't know bucks were at, it wasn't as if I felt like I was making the wrong move. It's just, I wasn't, I was in a comfort zone for sure. And I don't know if it was something where I was afraid to leave it, but you know, it's good to get out of your comfort zone for sure. Well, I think that's the importance of really having a lot of places to go to your arsenal, mm-hmm. right? You know, so with with us, we have very limited time to, to hunt, right, with families and jobs. And, you know, so when it is the weekend or a night after work that we can hunt, if it is going to be 70, right, it might not be ideal for our probably the the spots that we know the most or have the most intel so we might not go in there but what we're gonna do is maybe you know we have enough spots whether we scouted them or we've seen them on e-scouting which look really good but we've never been in there so i think that's when you can kind of take those opportunities when the the weather's not ideal but maybe the wind direction is good for the spot that you want to scout out that way you can go in there scout your way in and then you don't have to be satisfied with being afraid to push too far right you know if it's 70 degrees and and you're going into this new spot well you can be aggressive right if you blow it up well you no big deal right your hot spots you still saved them for whether you're waiting for the rut or after halloween or you know whatever your game plan for those areas are right that way you can and i think for us or myself at least 
I've really learned about scouting my way in by doing that. Right. You know, and, and it really, well, it didn't pay off in the end, but you know, I had that yep. opportunity this year where I, where we scouted in, we've never been in there. It was raining. The conditions weren't great, but we were in this brand new spot that we only e-scouted and we kind of pushed in and I scouted my way in and I went probably further than I normally would. And then it led to an opportunity at last light, you right. know? So I think that's something that, you know, it's like, well, if I can hunt, I'm going to be in the woods, right? I'm not just going to sit at home because it's hot right. or there's a chance of rain, right? I love the hunt. I get the opportunity. I'm going to go out there. So I think, you know, that's when you got to, you know, even if it's just e-scouting different properties or public land that you could go in there and then really scout those areas off and then hunt it, you know, even if you hunt only the last hour and get up in a tree. Right. And like even a piggyback of what you said, if you blow that spot up, you have all those other spots that you normally kind of like, you know, Harry, you were saying you, you didn't want to touch those certain spots. And I'm the same yeah. way. Like when I go back home, Northeast PA, I, you know, there, I might, I might go up the mountain just because I want to see my dad and, you know, but I may not, I'm definitely not going into those hot spots where come this weekend, I'm definitely going to go into, you know, you, you, you learn something. Okay. Hey, what is the wind doing? What is this? Well, how did that buck that I maybe, you know, spooked or deer, how were they using the terrain feature? How were they betting? You know, which way were they facing? How was the wind blowing? You, you learn, you know, and if, if, if you don't go back to that spot until scouting season, then you, then that's what it is. You know what I mean? So, uh, you know, and we've learned too, and we've talked to a bunch of people where you may, you blow it up, but you may not blow it up and it's not there. Those deer will come back. Well, and I think even in a lot of these spots, it, especially new spots, it's going to take you probably two or three yeah. years to figure it out. Right. So it's not like you're going to scout it one year and then just have it figured out. Right? right. And we've starting to even learn that over the years where we've kind of paid attention to a lot of the fine details more where, you know, year to year, we're learning more and more and more and building it up. And a lot of our main spots we've, I wouldn't say you never f figure it out, right? Because right. deer are unpredictable. But we're starting to see more patterns, seeing when we should hunt it, seeing where the sign is. Yeah. You know, so I think just if it's new, don't be afraid because it's going to take you probably the off season next year. And then, you know, yeah. either it's going to be a bust or you're going to really develop a good spot. Right. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's the one thing for me is I got to like you said, Harry. Just you know, it's not that I don't want to get out of that comfort zone. There's there's just certain times, man, where I'm, you know, I I I over I definitely overthink, and I'm like, man, I just I gotta get set up. I gotta get set up, and I try to find that cluster tree with a nice trail and maybe some fresh poop, and I'm like, okay, something could come through here, <laughs> you know, and yeah. just totally neglect what a you know some of the the hard work and things that I've that I've done so far, but. Well, so talk a little bit about then, uh, you know, continue to elaborate on, on your scouting efforts that, that you were doing, uh, for, for this opportunity. Well, uh, so probably right before, um, I went up to the mountains. So I got that buck November 1st, I would say, you know, last week of October, I started getting really, really close. Um, a cold front came through and not like dramatically cold, but pretty cold and um you know i had a you know a decent decent seven point buck uh he came in you know shooting light it was it was 
on. Like it was, you know, 7 a.m. or something, and this buck came out. I have where it was 6:55, and I had pictures of this buck at my mock scrape, and it was 7:01. And where this mock scrape was was in my shooting lane. Okay. And you know, so it's six minutes past shooting light. However, I was in the woods, and it was just too dark. And he came in, and he was grunting up a storm, chasing a doe. Doe comes through the lane, and I'm like, all right, cool. Like, now he's going to follow. Buck comes in, and I'm just like, I don't I don't feel comfortable. Like, I don't want to – I don't even want to entertain this shot right now. Like, it, I can barely see him. <laughs> so, um, you know, that was one morning. And, you know, I saw – after that, I saw two other bucks, you know, not legal, nothing I would even think about shooting, you know, like spikes, four points, things like that. And I was like, all right, like this week's starting to, you know, things are, things are moving. And, uh, then I went out on a Thursday evening and, um, I was hunting on this, this property and I was seeing little bucks chasing does like three points spikes, um, seeing a whole lot of action, but early, like, you know, with daylight savings now, um, you know, not this five o'clock, but like, you know, a week ago, five o'clock, I was seeing deer movement and chasing. And, um, sure enough, like I, I saw this one buck and, you know, I have pictures of him. He's a really high seven point and, um, different seven point than the other morning. And, you know, he wasn't coming in and, I was like, all right, well, I have 15 minutes left of light. I'm going to hit the rattle bag. So I hit the rattle bag and he comes right in. So he's coming in and then he sees this doe, but this doe was probably 50 yards out of range. Um, now this buck was like, I like this doe, but something happened here. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to entertain this doe anymore. So he, so the doe ended up coming in 15 yards away um, the seven point was now not going to follow this though, because he thought there was a bigger buck in the area and he ended up getting to about 40 yards, but it was kind of dark. And, you know, I don't, I don't like to take 40 yard shots. I know people do, but that's not something I like to entertain. Um, so, um, you know, that was a Thursday and then, on Saturday, I went out. That was October 30th. You know, I saw like eight doe all move in real early, you know, five o'clock-ish. So it was, I was starting, and, and where I saw those doe, I moved the stand. I did get out of my comfort zone, moved the stand, saw a bunch of scrapes, a bunch of rubs, put a new stand up. Um, and my dad was up in the mountains at that point, And I... I was texting him. I was like, Oh dude, I'm in the, I'm in a six spot. Like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care that you're in the mountains without me. Like, you know, I'm in a great spot, but it, it didn't work out that night, but it, I, I, I started to finally feel like I figured it out. And, um, also with the help of the rut, things were moving and I definitely thought I was getting really close. And then um, that Sunday night, Halloween, I ended up going up to the mountains, listening to you guys, <laughs> you know, different, different podcasts the whole way up. <laughs> 
And um, I ended up seeing trail cam picks because my dad pulled all our cards. Um, we probably have four or five trail cams up there. Okay. And we have this one new ladder stand um, that we put up last year. I actually shot my last year um, buck out of it. It was a real, real old six point, probably um, six, seven years old. I got a Euro mount so I can see the teeth and they're just yeah. all worn down and he's all broken off and, you know, good mass on him. And um, he was my, you know, one of my nicest bucks, even though he was only a six point, but um, I was like, I'm going to sit at this ladder stand in the morning because it's a great rut stand. It's kind of right next to a field. Um, and then we have this area, we call it the square pines. And it's kind of like a, uh, a square cutout that goes into the field. And it's just really thick in there. And a lot of bucks like to bed right in there. And then when they're ready, they come out and they usually work the field edge, which is right where I'm sitting. And, you know, I sat there in the morning and I saw, I think a spike came in at 20 yards. I saw a couple doe, um, and I saw a real nice buck, probably 50 yards away. He wasn't coming in the grunts or anything, but he was definitely a shooter. Like if I had a rifle, I don't think I would have hesitated <laughs> to shoot, you know? Yep. Um, but after that happened, I just had this, you know, it, it was like in my gut where I just, I have this spot um, and I probably killed six, seven bucks there. Um, and, you know, at, at my cabin, it's called Harry's stand. Like it's my stand. Um, I have a permanent stand built there. Um, in archery season, I have a hang on off to the side of it just because it's hard to pull bow back with the way the roof is. And um, it's a little bit higher up in the tree too. And I just had this gut feeling like I need, I absolutely need to be sitting there. So, um, my brother was hunting and he said, Hey, like, um, I'm going to, you know, head back up to the cabin for lunch and where our property is. It's kind of like we have our cabin and a bunch of property around it. Then there's an, a neighboring property that we don't hunt on next to my cabin's property. Okay. And then our property line starts again after our neighbor's property. So we call it our lower woods. So in order to, to leave the lower woods, you have to, you know, take a UTV and ATV or something out of the woods and, you know, go a mile back to the cabin. And my brother said, Hey, I'm going to head out of the woods. Like, is anybody coming? And my dad was like, no, I'm sitting all day. So now I'm thinking like, you know, I have bucks coming out here, nice bucks on this trail camera, you know, 5.30 p.m. But then I also have this feeling inside of me that I feel like I need to be at this other spot. So I said, screw it, I'm going to this other spot. Um, so I go back to the cabin, I get it back to my stand. Um, it's probably about 12.45, I was back in stand, you know, like literally 45 minutes Um you know, I wasn't sitting, I was transitioning and where the stand is, it's a, it's a funnel where all the deer come to this field. However, it's a pinch point because there's, we have a pond, 
and then our neighbors have a pond. But when our grandfathers made their ponds, their man-made ponds over springs, when they made these ponds, their initial thought was let's connect these ponds and make a big pond. Okay. That didn't work. (laughs) So what happened was there's probably about a football field size kind of swampy area in some spots and it's not real wide and it's not um, too long, but it's, 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 it's a good, it's a good pinch and the deer cross there and then they go right into a, a field. And my uncle, he plants all types of stuff in there. He plants, you know, the imperial whitetail um, buckwheat. Um, we have clover in there. We have turnips. Um, some years we do standing corn, you know, soybeans, all, all, all sorts of stuff we put in this one field. And the other thing about it too, is it's kind of a, um, transition spot between different properties. So we'll have a, uh, you know, we have our line, we have our neighbor's line, and then we have another neighbor neighboring this field. And then we have another hunting camp neighboring this field. So it's kind of like this almost getaway for deer just to run. Not that they know, you know, a deer doesn't know what property they're on when they're running, but (laughs) they seem they seem to funnel that way when they're getting out of trouble. And it's also a great spot for feed. And in the rut, they love working, you know, edges of fields. And where I look, I'm kind of, I'm not on the field. I'm into the woods a good bit, probably a hundred yards. But where I can look is I can see probably, you know, 150, 200 yards ahead of me. So I can kind of see what's coming down to me. And then where the ponds were supposed to connect, I can hear them because it's so swampy there that I can just hear deer coming. So usually because it's a feeding spot late afternoon is when I really have some crazy action going on late afternoon and early mornings. Well, it was like two o'clock. I just got in the stand like an hour ago and I was seeing all sorts of dough moving up ahead of me. And I have my doe tag for that area still. So I was getting ready to shoot a doe. And um, this gray fox kind of spooked them out of there. And um, they didn't want any, like the, the fox wasn't like going after them, but they just didn't like it. And then the fox went away. Doe start coming in. I get ready. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, Then the fox comes back, cuts off the doe don't run away. And I'm like, okay, whatever. It's not meant to be. So now it's like, you know, that would be, I was watching these deer for an hour practically, you know, running back and forth. And, uh, now it's three 30 and I'm sitting there. And then I, I let out like a, a grunt just trying to see what can, you know, magically pop out as they do sometimes. <laughs> So I let out a grunt and I start hearing the water, um, in between the ponds and I'm like, all right, cool, cool. So grab my bow. Sure enough, our neighbors have these dogs that they don't chain up and they love to chase deer. Um, so this dog comes into my grunt tube and I see it. It's right below my tree 
And I kind of like was like, yo, like, you know, get out of here. Runs into our woods. Doesn't run back. This is on private property, Demetrius. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is time for this week's Vortex Nation Highlight. What's up, everyone? This is Troy from Dietrich's Outfitters here, and I'm bringing you your Vortex Nation highlight this week. Now, this tip is about sending your waypoints, not necessarily where the big buck was or where that scrape was, but in this case, I'm actually talking about sending your coordinates of the tree that you're about to climb to your loved ones or your hunting partners. So I always try to mark that location before I start climbing the tree, just in case, God forbid, something happens while I'm climbing the tree. My friends and family would know where to find me. My buddies that have on X or Spartan Forge, I'll send them the way length through that. But for my wife or someone like that, I'll actually copy and paste the longitude latitude points and send them to my wife. That way, worst case scenario, she can copy and paste them, put them into Google, and um, find out pretty much exactly where I was. God forbid I didn't come home that night. So it's a little thing like that. Um, Try to do it before you start climbing the tree. I know we usually take that time after we're all set up, completely pulled the bow up off the ground, hooked up all your gear. That's when we get on our phone and send those points out. But try to make it a habit to send them out before you start the climb. That way, just in case anything bad happened, you'd be covered. So that's the tip of the week, guys. Hope you guys get out in the woods this week and uh, get some deer on the ground. Yeah, so it runs into our woods. So now I'm like, this spot's blown. I'm like, you know, no deer are going to come out to feed if this dog's chasing them wherever. So I'm kind of sitting there like very very upset about yeah. my decision. Yeah, that gut feeling and, and this dog blows it up. I was I was thinking to myself, like, why did I move spots? <laughs> so my bow's on the hanger. I'm sitting in the tree probably like this, like, you know, pouting a little bit. And um, I hear the water again. And this is literally 25 minutes after this dog came in. So I turn around and I see this buck shaking like a dog with this huge rack on his head, just shaking his head around. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, here, here he is. So I grab my bow and for me to take this shot, he was coming in on a trail that is literally 12 yards. It's ranged at 12 yards from my tree stand and my tree stands probably 15 feet in there. It's not that high. So for me to take this shot, I had a, turn around in the tree stand and I had to grab my bow. Meanwhile, this deer just crossed in between the ponds and he's probably 25 yards behind me. And, you know, he's patrolling. He's not, he wasn't wasting any time. So I literally turn around in the stand, have my bow in my hand and I put my release on and I'm like, where'd the deer go? And I look down and he is right below me under my tree. And he looks up at me and he starts to run. So I pull back and I'm like, man, and he just doesn't stop. I'm like, man, he doesn't stop. And then I'm like, man, and he finally, like, I can't even say he stopped, but he, he slowed down. He, he was getting to that point where he 
wasn't sure why somebody was yelling at him. Yeah. And where he finally stopped was not where I wanted him to, but I had probably, you know, a foot wide just to shoot through. So I shoot this deer. I see my Luminoc and it, you know, hits him right behind the shoulder. Um, I didn't see my arrow um, in the ground or anything. So I wasn't really sure if I had a pass through. Um, but I knew, I knew I hit him good. And he, he ran about 20 yards from the spot and he just stopped and he was, you know, flicking his tail a little bit. And I'm thinking like, I don't really know what happened. Um, you know, he, he looked hit hard, but he didn't look, you know, usually when you double lung them, sometimes they like to run like 80 yards, like a bat out of hell. And he just wasn't doing that. Um, so then he just starts making all these crazy monster noises. Like he's, he's just like, and he's like staring at the ground and I'm like, what is going on? I've never seen this before. Um, and then he just beds down like 25 yards from where I shot him. And he's probably, you know, 50 yards from my tree. So I knock another arrow, I pull my binoculars and I'm just watching him and watching him and watching him. And finally he put his head down and I could just see his rack and I could see his butt. And then sure enough, he put his, like, I could see his, his rack just kind of tilt a little bit and his tail made two little flicks and he never moved again. Wow. Jeez. Oh, it, was, it was crazy. And meanwhile, I'm thinking about this dog and yeah. all this fox. And I'm like, I don't know what made this deer come through. Um, you know, I didn't have any pictures of him. Um, you know, and I'm also looking at him through binoculars. I'm like, man, he's really big. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was it was awesome. And I, I, uh, I gutted him out. I dragged him to where we could get our UTV to get him. I drive up to, well, I walk up to the top of our field and we don't have service out there, but I could finally get like a little bit of service. So I call my girlfriend and, you know, I told her what happened and then I turn around and I see the UTV and it's, uh, you know, right at the top of the field. So I realized that uh, my brother was hunting in the field across the street. So I'm like, oh, this is great. So I wait, <laughs> I wait till shooting light ends. No, so I, w- I wait till shooting light ends. And I see my brother, he's walking out of the woods. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, dude, let's go get him. And he's like, he's like, what do you mean? He's like, are you, are you messing with me? And I'm like, no, dude, we got to go get him. And he looks at my hands and they're covered in blood. And he's like, He's like, all right, like, we'll go get him. So, um, you know, we drive down to where I dragged him out. And my brother sees this thing and he's just like, dude, like, <laughs> like dude, that's awesome. So um, I'm like, all right, we got to pick up dad in the lower woods. Let's throw him in the back. So uh, my dad is now at the top of the lower woods, like wondering where we are. Cause we threw this deer in the back and, um, you know, we're driving down and my dad goes to put his bow in the back 
Like he's thinking like, you know, these two idiots. No, <laughs> yeah. Like no, nobody got a deer and he sees this buck in the back and he's just like, who shot him? Who shot him? <laughs> Um, he was like, he's like, I thought that he's like, I thought it sounded heavy coming through the woods. He's like, I thought that vehicle sounded pretty heavy, but he was super happy and it was just awesome. Like I was, you know, the one thing that, um, you know, it's, it's cool hunting in Chester County, like hunting, you know, different, different private properties that I got permission on and scouting out something new, but there's nothing that beats like, you know, being with your family and putting one on the ground and they're all there to see it and you know they're all hunting too and you know you're hearing about their day and you know it was it was really awesome and you know it, best decision ever was just to stay out of there all year yeah for sure now the shot opportunity though at how it came so quick and you know were you did you just roughly guess like what kind of site do you have on your bow are you going like multi-pin single pin Cause I'm just thinking like for, you know, like in that situation, like how it was just so quick and so fast with him running, like you were just, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, if I'm using multi-pin next pin, how did that work out for you? So, um, I don't really know like what's right or wrong with, you know, setting up a bow site. How I do it is I site in my first pin. I use a three pin site, true okay. blow, you know, typical, um, I use my first pin and I sight in at 20 yards. Um, and I pretty much know if anything's under 20 yards, my pin's going to be on because, you know, if they're closer than 20 yards and I'm from a tree stand, I'm probably going to be shooting down on them. So even if my arrow is going in high, it's going to come out low. Um, and honestly, for me, I probably won't shoot past 30 yards. I just, it's not something I don't have a, a, against anyone that shoots above 30 yards. Um, it's just something where my dad always told me since I was, you know, 13, 14, when I first got a bow, he always said high percentage shots. And what that meant was broadside 20, 25 yards. That was what I was always told. Right. So, you know, I would push that to 30. But, um, you know, I don't like shooting far and where I was sitting pretty much like how I knew how far he was, even though he went, so he was on, he was next to me and next to me where I had that lane was a 12 yard shot. However, by the time he stopped, he was way in front of me. Um, and pretty much how it works down at my stand is, if you have a shot, they're probably within 25 yards because it. it gets stick down there. And I just knew like, you know, this opening wasn't necessarily my shooting lane, but it was an opening that, um, you know, I could shoot through. So I knew I was pushing over 20 yards, but I knew he wasn't like so far. Um, and the other thing was to, he was kind of quartering away from me. And typically I wouldn't take a shot like that, but I think it all happened so fast where it was, you know how it is. Like you just get these weird primal instincts and it was just like that clicked on in my brain and I just knew exactly where I was going to put my pen. And you know, the way I saw the Luminoc go in, it was a perfect shot. 
Um, and actually, the reason why I didn't find my arrow, I was gunning the deer out, and I reach up, and I feel something like weird in there, and I pull it out, and I probably had about five or six inches of my arrow still in the deer. And what happened was my arrow went in behind the shoulder. It broke a rib on the other side. So 75% of my arrow came out of the deer, but that, you know, yeah. six inches just stayed in the deer, broke off. But the, you know, enter and exit wound, it was, you know, I hit lungs going in and then I even clipped top of the heart going out. And, you know, it was one of those things where, I felt like if I had time to think about it, I probably wouldn't have taken the shot. <laughs> so, um, you know, sometimes you get lucky. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that you have some time to think about, you know, the whole situation of the dog coming in and then the buck coming in shortly after that, do you think maybe that the dog maybe spooked the buck out of its bed, which then it led to him coming in a little bit earlier than he might have? Or do you think maybe the the buck was responding to your call, but was just late enough where the dog uh, didn't affect him coming in? Um, that's a good, that's a good question. So, um, the history with these dogs, um, they used to be tied up. I used to never worry about them. As of two or three years ago, I started seeing them all the time. And to the point where I started to not hunt that stand, which was part of the reason why I s set up that stand where I was sitting in the morning. Um, yeah, they just really, they just chase deer. They love it. I mean, if I was a dog, I think I would, I mean, I chase deer now, but <laughs> I'm human. Um, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if that deer necessarily would have spooked them. Um, just because it was like a good chunk of time and it was kind of like the deer came after the dog. Like okay. it was running the, the dog's trail. It just didn't like, I feel like they probably just missed each other. However, that day was cold. It was cold up in the mountains. It was probably, you know, 38 degrees all day long. And I really just think that cold front was what got those bucks moving. And it was one of those things where, you know, it, it corrects the term or it's evidence to when people say in the rut, anything can happen. And I just think, you know, whether you're seeing gray Fox scaring deer or seeing dogs scaring deer, you know, that's just, that's just a little time period. And, you know, bucks travel a lot of ground and they pick up ground, quick and i i really don't think any of that affected that deer's travel and like i said before um that area is you know it's close to other properties so it could have even been a situation where somebody on you know our neighbors just was screwing around you know slammed their door going out to put wood on their fire or right. you know they were coming out of the woods dragging a different deer out and it just got spooked or ran across the road you know so many different things can happen down there um and sometimes they don't work in your favor they really don't like you know a gray fox chasing doe yeah. or you know making them not come in so i think 
I think that's a good point, but just from hunting that stand in the past, it's like sometimes it definitely feels like it's either one thing or the next, but eventually, you know, if you sit there long enough, what you want is going to come through there. Right. Yeah. Now you said, obviously this was like your first time up the mountain. You did any of your other family members hunt, uh, October up there at all? So, uh, my uncle was up there. Um, he's retired and he's kind of like primary caretaker up there just because he lives up there. Um, he probably lives 20 minutes away. Um, he shot a nice, uh, you know, like a tighter rack, you know, probably 14, 15 inch spread, seven point kind of spindly rack. Um, nothing crazy with this crossbow. And then the Thursday night I was hunting, I got a text message from one of our guys that was, you know, we hunt with and his son Landon shot his first buck. Oh, nice. With a, with a crossbow in the same spot that my uncle did. Um, it was like a, you know, tight rack eight point, but it was his first buck, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's like 12, 13. Um, and it was that, that, that area where they were hunting is kind of not really, it wouldn't ever affect where I'm hunting. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I asked that just because, you know, I was just wondering about how, you know, maybe what, uh, Intel you maybe were getting from them just because of like for us right now, normally, man, like all year, put it that way. I wouldn't just say right now. I, I would say all year, certain spots we have scouted or previous spots we've hunted the last three, four years, we would at least say, okay, Hey, you know, when this wind or this, you know, food is available to these deer, we will see deer. And yeah. whether one or two of those things were, were there for us or present for us, Man, we we struggled, huh? I mean, it's it, mm. yeah. I mean, which is totally fine. I mean, it is it's hunting. You know what I mean? You you know, you're not guaranteed anything. But you know, I was just curious to see, just because, uh, you know, there's times where, our like for me back at home, up at the club, up the mountain, the trail cameras will say one thing, and like last week, my dad hunted all week, and he was like, man, I. I I barely saw anything and the tr- we'd get things on trail cameras later on, later on at night and, uh, but nothing really during the day much, but yeah, I was just curious to see like, we're, we're have deer been, you know, still doing their normal thing up there or has it been a little bit different because of the acorn drop or whatever. So I was just curious to know what, what that's been like. Well, to add on that too, um, we have a buddy, so he, where his property is, so he, he's from a different hunting club up there. Okay. However, we're good friends and, you know, we don't really like hunt on them. They don't really hunt on us, but we bond over trail cam pictures. Heck yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, we hang out and, you know, we talk to your hunting and he's really not too, his, his property, I would say is the closest property to where. Um, you know, like I said, like, you know, all those different properties connect. His is probably the closest and, you know, he shares a lot of pictures and he was hunting a good amount of October. And when I was hunting, you know, back in Chester County and talking to him, it didn't seem like too much what's happening. And it was like that last week of October, that's when things started to move. And even judging from after we got up there and we pulled our cards, 
it was like that's when we started getting daylight pictures. Like as soon as that last week of October hit, and I don't really, you know, there's a lot of people that say, you know, I like to hunt last week of October, you know, Halloween's a big day that, you know, people mm-hmm. love the hunt. Um, I love the hunt it too. Um, but I personally think that it had everything to do with the cold front. Like a, a cold front came in towards the end of that week and that totally got them moving. Cause all the pictures were that were daylight, you know, was October 25th, 26th, 27th, you know, and that was kind of when the weather really started to change and that's definitely what got them moving for sure. Now up on your mountain, what kind of, you know, activity in what time frame are you seeing? Like now, cause we've been trying to like talk to different people and, and I'm always curious of seeing when that, you know, cause obviously you have the cruising phase where, where, the cold fronts are going to get the bucks up moving on their feet, but you don't quite see the, them chasing. Right. Um, and when we kind of see that later than most people in our area in central PA, you know, when do you normally see that kind of the chasing phase of the rut, um, up on the mountain kind of back home where you're hunting? Yeah. So, um, I think it was, so in Chester County, at least, the one buck that I had come into that lane at dark, he was chasing. And that was, you know, a weird cold front. It lasted like two days and he was chasing a doe. I don't think he was that mature of a buck. I think his rack was decent. Um, and he was chasing and that was probably October 19th. I think that's a weird, um, you know, of an outlier um however i think little bucks will always chase and little bucks not even little bucks just young not mature not mature deer will chase deer um all season long they just love harassing does (laughs) and i don't i don't even think they understand the concept of like this doe is in heat this doe is not in heat like, I don't even think they get that yet. Kind of like when you see a spike walk up to a scrape, like they don't really know what to do, but like they kind of do something. Um, you know, I think, I think to answer your question, like from what I've been seeing the past couple of years, the little box will always chase and that could start as early as, you know, mid October, but usually later October I'll see them chase and they're always patrolling. Um, from what I've seen with mature bucks, I think after the moon phase, you know, it'll be a full moon. I think two days after the moon phase, that's when they start to really, really start to at least patrol, maybe chase. Um, a lot of times I see it go hand in hand where I, like I'm seeing patrolling, but I'm also seeing, you know, a deer chasing another doe all throughout the woods. Um, so for instance, last year it happened a lot later. I thought, um, I thought, you know, first week in November was going to be great. Um, I think the moon phase was somewhere in the first week in November. So like two days after, you know, probably put us at like, you know, somewhere between November 3rd and November 7th but I didn't start seeing major rut activity with chasing until 
November 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th. This year, I think the moon phase was October 20th, the full moon. Um, so I think that probably had something to do with it being a little bit earlier this year where I was seeing a lot more rod activity. Um, you know, like before I moved stands, the buck I saw ahead of me, it was chasing something. I only saw it for a couple seconds. Right. And, um, my brother ended up shooting up a decent eight point. Um, not as, not as much mass as mine, but probably just about as wide. Um, and I believe it was the, the same, the same buck I saw that, that morning and where he saw him in comparison where I saw him, it was a good bit away. Yeah. It was, you know, where he, where he shot that deer was probably, you know, half a mile, you know, close to that. And from where he was coming from was even further away. But that buck that I saw was heading towards where my brother usually sits. And I think he has some sort of patrol line going up the mountain and comes back down to bed. And he goes up and down probably all day and all night long. And I just think it's one of those things where I don't know how much the moon, act, you know, science doesn't have enough research to back that evidence. But from what I've seen, like, two or three days after that full moon, they definitely start moving a lot better and chasing. Um, I always think like the patrol phase happens first though, where you see bucks patrolling for about, you know, two, three, four or five days before they even start really chasing hard. And then sometimes I don't even like when they're chasing cause it's too hard to even stop them and get a shot, especially if they're on a doe. Yeah calling or doing anything just totally like that doe just takes them even further out of that direction rather than just like watch it, let it happen. And it's first light, that one goes there and maybe, you know, not too much longer after that, you see another deer or something come through a different spot of a trail. Like that's where I'm definitely going to say, get down, move closer and try to, you know, quickly and swiftly get up there just to have a shot opportunity because I mean, last year, just replaying that whole, that week that you and I were out there and, uh, I talked to Eric, uh, today from the okay is Hunter podcast. And he kind of was, he was going through this past weekend and, and it just brought back like nightmares. I'm like, yeah, like every time you get down and try to make a move, you, you know, like, Oh, I got to get there the next time or something along those lines. It just seemed like the deer just kept pushing, pushing and pushing. Uh, yeah, I don't know just the rut's crazy yeah i love it though yeah <laughs> like for so you know for for us man it, it sometimes it's like the only time we see a lot of deer and you know anytime you see deer in the woods for us that's that's the fun part oh yeah i mean like i said i didn't expect to even yeah. shoot anything after that dog it was like i was calling it a day before <laughs> you know before the best time of my stand like i said last couple hours and you know, that's, that's the greatest thing about the rut. Like it keeps you on your toes because sometimes you can only see, you might only see one chase yeah, or you might only see one deer, but then other times it's like, you know, your head's on a swivel the whole time because you don't even know what's going on. Yeah. 
Yep. You're just hoping one of them, one doe brings something up in front of you in shooting range. And then you just got to, like you did, scream at your off top of your lungs <laughs> and get at them to stop. Like, oh, wait, what? Something else is <laughs> around here? Like, oh, man. Well, I want to know too, Harry, because I know I, I, I kind of asked a question a little bit earlier. And, you know, you know, what have some things you've been doing, though, like for this year, learning new spots, you know, as like it, now that your buck tag is filled, you know, is there is there a learning opportunity that you think like, okay, I definitely want to try to capitalize on this, or I want to expand learning on, on this property because it has this feature to it. Like, is there anything like that for you now that, you know, the stress is off your shoulders and you could kind of enjoy and maybe go out there, you know, if you have more doe tags or to go out there and scout, like I know our buddy, Tim, he, even though he fills his buck tag, he still goes out there as if he's hunting because he's he's looking for that next opportunity for next year. I know that's something he does constantly and sends us, you know, he'll taunt me with a photo and be like, here's your deer you, when you're coming in. And, you know, you're just like, I'm at work, like, just cursing my head off. Not at him, but, you know, just because it's like, damn it, why do I have to have a job, you know? But, yeah. But, but, well, yeah. I would say um, the one thing is so um, where I hunt in Chester County, it's actually, right across the street. The one property is an Amish property. Um, it's right across the street from my parents' house. The other property is a winery and my parents are good friends with the owners there. Um, and they have a huge farm and, you know, they have a problem with the deer eating their grapes and, you know, they got to know us pretty well. So they were like, Hey, you guys seriously like need to kill some deer over here. So, um, being that it's close to my parents' house, my brother is very, um, he loves the fact, like I said, like when I got my buck, you know, we were all there. He loves that, you know, element of that you know, the community aspect of like our family being together. So he would rather only shoot deer at the cabin and that's yeah. cool. Like yep. I'm about it. Um, I like to, you know, I do like to get out of my comfort zone, even if I don't all the time. Um, and my dad's, you know, like me too, you know, he's hunted another, a number of places, you know, local to where he lives in Chester County. So my, uh, my dad still has all his tags. You know, okay. he has three tags to fill. However, earlier in September, he screwed up his shoulder pretty good. Um, he's now at a point where, you know, he got some like a cortisone shot. So he's able to pull back his bow, but he will only save his shoulder for, you know, pulling yeah. back his bow on something nice. <laughs> yeah. So he really stayed out of the woods all October. So I was hunting, you know, the reason why we got all the, you know, permission to two different properties was so we both could hunt, you know, at the same time, relatively close to each other. So what's left for me this season is since I've done a lot of that learning at those properties is I'm really helping my dad. Um, trying to get on one in Chester County. Um, and, you know, I moved the stand a little bit lower for him so he could, you know, get into it a little bit easier. Um, you know, added 
you know, some ladder rungs to it so he can get into it easier with his shoulder. And like, for instance, on Saturday, I actually went home cause I knew he was hunting. I had like a overtime shift from five to 10 AM. I went home to see if he got anything. And then I moved the stand for him. And then he was like, all right, I'm going to go out now. And I waited at my house until he was done because I know if he shoots one, he's not going to be able to drag it out. Right. So I'm kind of being that like helping hand right now. Um, but I'm also getting a lot of enjoyment of, you know, when he pulls the cards and brings them back to me and I look at them on my computer, I'm like, dude, this is the one that I rattled in. This is the one that I saw this day. And I'm like, he usually comes out here and I can kind of guide him or even say, I've never seen this deer before. He's new. And that's kind of what's left for me. Um, I also still have a doe tag for up in the mountains and I think this weekend is that Sunday that we get. Yep. <laughs> so I think I might, I might have a Sunday sit. <laughs> nice. There you go. I like it. You got anything? No, that's awesome. I listen, Harry, that, that was such a fun story. I think it's uh, a cool perspective. You know, we haven't really, we have all these amazing uh, guests on that are going after, you know, public land and doing that, that whole ordeal. And you cool, you bring a really cool perspective, you know, talking with, you know, having your family going up to a mountain, but still cutting your teeth on going out there scouting and, and hunting public land and saving that spot. And, you know, I, I honestly, uh, I relate very, very much to you with that because I'm the same way. Like I love going out there hunting with Dimitri, hunting with his dad here where I live with my wife and my daughter. And, on public land and we go out there and we cut our teeth and we're, we sh struggle on, on the struggle bus uh, more often than not. And, you know, even man, listen the the two times that I did get a chance to go home and, and hunt at the club this past year. I mean, I've only seen three doe, uh, at, so far. And, but like you said, there's nothing like it when, when, you know, your dad's up there with you, you know, or, or, yeah. you know, for you, it's, it's your brother. And, uh, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing like that. And, you know, I've been talking to my dad for this upcoming weekend for Saturday and Sunday, like you said, it's I'm like, man, I, he, we like, we'll send each other some cell cam photos that we get from up there. And it's, man, I can't wait. I can't wait till the weekend. I can't wait. And, uh, you know, hopefully one of us bags something, but I, I, I relate very much to you about the, how the, how you feel on that. There's nothing like that spot, you know, Harry stand. There's nothing like that, that area where I scouted and killed my buck two years ago out of, because it's, you know, some, it was a new area for, for us on that mountain that my dad's hunted for 40 years. It's just, uh, yeah. it's, there's nothing like it. It's heritage. Yeah. That's what it is. It's exactly, man. Well, that's awesome, dude. Well, I, I'm excited to, to, you know, see what, how that, the season progresses for you for the rest of the year. And, you know, definitely keep in touch and let me know what you're learning and observing and all that type of stuff. Just because like Dimitri said, we're, we love to hear when we, you know, for us, we, we don't really see a crap ton of rut activity until now, until next week. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like I said, you know, it's just, it's, it's crazy how certain times are so different in, in areas, you know? Well, I also just did get a picture today. It's a trail cam pick. It's a nice buck chasing a doe in yeah. a field. Yep. So if that's any intuition for you guys. Yeah, there we go. Awesome. <laughs> something's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, something's going on. And like you said, it could be that spiker and it could be that little, 
you know, basket six that, you know, just trying to have some fun. Well, that's what I said today to one of my patients because with my recation coming up this week, uh, I got five straight days to hunt. So, <laughs> you know, and I, it, it's going to be a little bit warmer than you would like, but I said, Hey, the deer are going to rut when they're going to rut yep. and I'm not going to f- freeze out there. So I'll take it. Yeah. Right. Hell so yeah. it doesn't bother me. Yeah. I, sometimes the warm weather is like, it's bittersweet. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I hear you. That's kind of, I just remember last year was, during this week too we had that it was even 70 degrees it was warmer than than what we're getting and you're still running like crazy still running like crazy i remember driving through the bucks past the buck stop and just seeing piles of bucks just still sitting there i'm like holy cow it's still happening it doesn't matter they're still running but awesome harry dude what anything else before you head off good luck to you guys this season awesome man well thank you again where could people find you and and uh you know maybe hit you up with anything if they have any questions about you know for the area i know we get lots of you know we have some some people that are in your neck of the woods as well so where where could people follow you and and uh catch you there uh so my instagram handle is at hdmr eight zero underscore uh that's probably the best place awesome man um yeah Give me a follow, you know, send me a message. I'm always open to answer questions. Talking deer. I love it, dude. Well, thanks, everybody. Thank you, Harry, so much. Thanks for sharing that. Till next time, everybody, best of luck to you and Antler Up. And that's a wrap for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all the support the past two and a half years. Just thank you. I hope you have a fun, successful rut week ahead of you in the woods and don't forget to check us out over at antlerupoutdoors.com check out our facebook instagram go wild as well as our youtube accounts and we are approaching episode 100 we haven't decided yet if we're going to do one massive giveaway or if we're going to do a couple different little giveaways we have some great products a tethered phantom saddle some broadheads some grunt tubes just a bunch of different stuff that we want to get in your hands. Thank you so much for your support. Best of luck again, like I said to you this week, and antler up.